Hi everybody, welcome to episode 46 of the Teesside Business Podcast. Today we are very lucky to be joined by um, uh, Richard and Pete. Peter, did I get that right? Yeah, sorry, I just wondered if my brain was still working there. From Major Recruitment, thanks very much for coming and joining us guys. No thanks for having us, So, for anyone who, um, like, obviously doesn't know you guys and everything like that, we'll do like a little bit of history before we start talking about recruitment and how that goes in Teesside. So... Can you give us just a little bit of an overview on yourselves and how you led to major recruitment, etc.? Yeah, I'll give you a background in regards to how major recruitment came into the area. Yeah. Um, so, background on major recruitment, we've been operating now for 27 years, mm-hmm. um, independently owned. Um, we have our head office that's in Huddersfield, and we have a network of oh, about 25 branches now um, across the U- across the UK. Um, we came into the northeast originally back in the early, late nineteen nineties, early two thousands. Um, things were working okay, but then the recession hit, and we, unfortunately, the branches in the northeast took the, the brunt of that hit. Um, so they the, brought the business back down into the um, Yorkshire region, and then back in two thousand and fifteen, um, Phil Bottomley, who's the owner, made an acquisition, and. Um, that's where major recruitment in the northeast was born. Um, been trading out in Newton Aircliff for four, coming up four years, four and a half years, um, and then we opened Middlesbrough last year, last October. Um, we're starting to move that up into the Newcastle area, um, but predominantly a lot of our businesses: Teesside, County Durham, Darlington, um, North Yorkshire. Um, so yeah, um, industries we work in, we've been working mainly industrial, manufacturing, logistics, um, technical side of things, yep. um, and um, we're forever growing and yeah. developing on a daily basis. So, so no, what's known as a multi-sector agency, yeah. Yeah. so we cover just about every sector, and we also have like, an executive division that covers high value, permanent placements, that sort of thing as well. So pretty diverse range of industries we work in, yep. so working with temporary and permanent recruitment. Mm-hmm. We also have a part of the business just training, uh, going out to many distribution companies, helping yep. them upskill their workers in forklift, truck, that kind of skill as yeah. well. So very diverse range of business we work in. As far as like obviously the sectors on, you know, like logistics engineering, etc. T side's obviously been very well connected to those industries yes. for a long time. Um, as you mentioned before, like the first time it kind of came into the uh, came into the area. There's been a lot of change, like obviously in Teesside, you know, we've got the decline of obviously the steelworks and all that that we've gone through, um, SSI and all that kind of thing. How have you noticed the like the recruitment side of the business, like over, like in the north over the years? Like, have you noticed any kind, like any particular challenges with it? Or one of the one of the main things I would say, especially from a, my background is technical, mm-hmm. so technical engineering. So from my side of things, what I've noticed is is the the. the we all know there's been a skills shortage and a skills gap, um, but it's re-educating clients, re-educating people you're working with in regards to people that have transferable skills that can be brought in and be trained into something new. Yeah. Um, and that's been a big battle for, for, for me personally in regards to speaking to clients and saying, well, you're looking for X, Y, and Z. Mm. Maybe you might get a bit of Y and a bit of Z, but they're maybe lacking in X that you can train. Yeah. Um, that's something I've noticed definitely in the marketplace, and and just like you say, that education in regards to the companies and what they're looking for and what they could, what what's in the market and what they actually are. Do you think that over uh, like a period of time, like it's very interesting that you said that because I read uh, an article the other day that was talking about something very similar, but for all the people who got made redundant with Thomas Cook, uh-huh. basically saying that the skills that they've got in retail and travel are actually like diverse into other areas. Yeah, have you found that like? Uh, companies and people who are doing the recruiting are starting to have a bit of a, a wide look at stuff or is it very much kind of like this is what we're looking for and we won't move from that or is it dependent on depend on company yeah. depend on industry sector as well sometimes yeah. some of the heavy industries are still very much need the exact skill set for that role mm. uh, other companies other sectors are are more open to to discussions around that mm. uh, I say Teesside has a lot of skilled People. It's not just the companies; it's the workforce as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to get someone who's used to work in one particular industry to transfer their skills into something that's completely alien to them. Yeah, you know, so you steel workers, for example, trying to get them to go and work into warehouse and logistics, which is a completely alien 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, that's to say another challenge that we've, we've yeah, had. Definitely. And one thing as well is they've, they've, people that have been in these works at Steelworks for such a long period of time, they've worked themselves up to a certain level. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what seems to happen is a lot of clients now, they are promoting from within. Yeah. So for someone to come out of the Steelworks to go into the same sort of level position, yeah. it's very rare that somebody will take them on at that position. Mm -hmm. They'll want to start them at a lower but then obviously you've got everyday living and life that takes over that yeah. you can't afford to take that drop. Um, so it's a difficult balance to try and get right. And um, it's it, for us, it's very consultative in regards mm. to how we've got to speak to the clients and speak to the people to, to understand expectations and make them realistic. Um, and that's not a saying being negative, that's just a case of, look, this is where you are, this is what you're looking for, but you're a little bit apart. Yeah. Um, and that's where we come in and try to address that balance. So for um, like companies like in the local area who haven't used recruitment firms and stuff like that in the past, obviously any company now that knows if they're starting a recruit will just what a minefield it is. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> even just fielding CVs, like yeah. anybody who does, has never done it, mm -hmm. just pop a job advert on Indeed and you'll know in about three seconds, kind of like, <laughs> you know, you get, get like just 4,000, like uh, CV straight away. So what are the main benefits of somebody coming to you guys to kind of you, for them to help you with their recruitment? over trying to do it themselves? Um, there's, there's many benefits. There's obviously cost benefit. You know, the, the amount of time it takes for a person to, to recruit somebody though. Like it's four or five thousand pounds is the instant average to, from advertising to interviewing, pre-screen, all that kind of thing that we go through. Four and a half thousand pounds. So whilst people look at our fees and think, that's high, when you actually put the, the time and effort we can save them. So yeah. cost certainly is one. Um, industry knowledge, industry expertise. You know, we know where to look for people. Yeah, we have extensive databases of people that we can go to that they won't have access to. So yeah, cost, cost, and you know our knowledge. I think is is where we can come in, and we call consultants because we do like to work on a consultancy basis. It's not just a case of find the person for a job. We go out and we talk to businesses about where they should be looking. As Richard said, you know, people cross selling the skills and things like that. So yeah, yeah. I think a key one for me is is, is going is is the reason for using a recruitment company is is finding that 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 person that could be that needle in a haystack but that doesn't that maybe not exist but that that company's been proactively searching for or they've come across them and opens up the market for the client so if, if say for argument's sake you take an engineering firm and what they put an advert out on in on, on indeed for argument's sake um if if a member of Joe public sees that advert they may think I can't apply for that because I don't know that company yeah. and I don't know what the process is I don't know what they're where we come in we can we open up those avenues Yeah. so it, it's it's a it's a platform for a candidate to come to us in, in confidence that we're going to do a job to find them work but it's also from the client to come to us in confidence and, and come to them with another solution Yeah. so it's a business solution to that client mm -hmm. they may think that they in their head they know exactly what they're, going, what they're looking for right I need this person it's got to have everything it's got to have all this but then we give them an alternative scenario that maybe this person could do this, this and this and yeah. give them something else. Um, and that's where we like to think that we come into our own on that mm -hmm. side. Um, but there is the, like you say, there is this thing in regards to recruitment companies and why do we have to use a recruitment company? And like Pete said, in regards to the cost and things like that. But when you actually break it down on what we do and the time we spend in regards to investing in that business and investing in the candidates that we're putting forward, yeah. it, it should make the recruitment process smooth and I can you know like what you highlighted there definitely with having like technical knowledge and yep. things like that when people are after like specific things for mm -hmm. specific sectors mm -hmm. whether they have certain qualifications or experience with you know software or manufacturing yeah. or whatever it may be you know for companies to find those people if they're not connected into those kind of things I imagine yeah. it can be very hard mm -hmm. you know I imagine you come across quite often where we're recruiting for you know XYZ engineer and they're like, but we haven't spoke to one in 10 years and then you <laughs> yeah. guys are going to try to yeah. find one, you know, like. Yeah. Well, so. And we have situations where you'll have um, candidates that maybe aren't looking mm. and not in the marketplace, so they're not checking on Indeed, mm -hmm. they're not getting alerts, yeah? yeah? We'll know them for our networking and Richard or myself may place them somewhere else four or five years ago. Yeah. yeah? You know what I mean? So we, we, we tap in that market as well, you sort of, you know, um, sort of client candidates that aren't actively seeking, aren't mm. gun job boards, you know, for our networking and who we know. 
I say it's a finite person. Yeah, one thing I have noticed is there's been a big a, 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 something that's been quite big recently. I've noticed is, is the caliber of CVs that people are actually putting on the job boards, actually when they're applying for jobs. Yeah. Um, the caliber of the CVs doesn't give the true reflection as to what the candidate could actually be or what the candidate yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, from my personal point of view, I think that goes back to the education side of how to write a CV. Yeah. Because I don't think it, I don't think it gets addressed properly in, in schools and colleges. In regard, I don't think, like personally, um, I don't think I've ever been. No, like, I, you know. I've never been told how to write a CV. No, no. Um, so when clients are looking at CVs, I mean, I've had clients before where they've discounted CVs because they've looked at it and gone, well, the first two lines don't they? That's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. But that's when we come in yeah. and we go. That's when we can have that conversation. We we've met the candidate, we've referenced them, we've 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 interviewed them, we've done a pre-screen interview, so we know everything about that candidate before they go through onto the client's desk. So if the client discounts it, we can challenge that. Yeah. So we can go back to the client and say, well, why have you discounted it? Well, well, actually, this is what he brings to the party, yeah. so to speak. And then it's a whole different conversation. But I think going back to that original CV writing. I think that's a big factor that people miss. Yeah, and it's, uh, I suppose, like, when I start to think about, like, our own recruitment journeys and when we've recruited, etc., it's not everybody communicates in the same way. No. So they might, mm-hmm. you know, it must be it might be incredibly hard for them to write a CV, but when you get talking to them about the job role or their passion mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, they come, all of a sudden they come alive and you can kind of get it from them. But it'll... <laughs> to sum up everybody's career history and ability to do a job on a piece of A4 paper that's probably on like a template from Word, yeah, yeah. you know, or something like that is... You well, know. the other side of it as well is, I mean, the, the people that... I don't mean this to sound as disrespectful as, as it may sound, is, but people that have come out with have been in places of work for 20, 25 years, yeah. they've never had a CV. No. Because they've gone straight through from an, either an apprenticeship or they've gone straight through from an MVQ and they've gone straight into work. Yeah. They've just worked their way up and got to a point. They've never had to write a CV. Yeah. So they've never know, they don't They don't even know where to start. Mm. And, and the, the question I get, well, I've just done the same job for 25 years. How do I put that in a CV? Mm. Well, you, you, you potentially don't. And that's when it comes into, like, that's when, we're, again, we come into our own regards to profile writing and stuff like that. Um, but looking at the moment, candidates, sort of younger candidates, they don't have CVs because they don't have laptops, they don't have computers anymore, they don't use Word, they don't use Excel, yeah. they're on they're on the phones, they're on things like that. So you're asking for a CV, oh, I've got an old one from 10 years ago that's on my emails from, so, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's not relevant, it's not in the, in the, uh, in the day-to-day process, yeah. that CV side of things, so that's a big factor that, that we eliminate. Uh, and assist with yeah I can like obviously going back to the whole thing of when you start as a company fielding a million different CVs mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. you know again it comes down to a time factor Absolutely, that you yeah. were just trying to find those key buzzwords that you're looking mm-hmm. for in the CV yeah. right this one's good this one's not but it's <clears throat> quite like an archaic and like old way of looking at it really yeah. um, how have you found like obviously you guys uh, in you know multiple locations up and down the country like mm-hmm. 26 locations how have you found like is there any differences between like the recruitment industry on T side versus other people? Certainly, I've found on T side, we're, we're, I suppose from talking from a purely temporary basis here, um, we do a lot of work in the, the blue collar sector, so you're, you're unskilled, you're semi skilled people. Um, there is a more available workforce on T side. I've found I mean, I, I worked for a number of years where I was involved with, with ASDA and I was doing dis- distribution centers around the UK. And availability in certain parts of the UK is really low and they really struggle to get people in. I think on Teesside we have a fairly reasonable pool mm. and we have a, a workforce that seems to be quite transient that will move from contract to contract. Yeah. Um, you know, they're used to working on, on, on this way of working. So from that perspective, I think Teesside is, you know, for an agency is, is quite a strong area. The negative side for us probably is because of that, um, then actually winning new business in Teesside can be be quite difficult. Companies tend to be a lot more loyal, I find, up here. Yeah. They know various the country to their mm-hmm. agency um, and will we'll work with their agency probably more than, again, in other areas where they're purely looking at, you know, headcount and bodies coming through the door. Yeah. In Teesside, I find that clients tend to be a lot more loyal. I think, I think that's a Teesside trait that we do tend yeah. to, you know, work with people that we trust and want to... Yeah, and support yeah, them. Yeah, and support, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, so we, we, you know, from one side, it's a positive in terms of the available workforce, Getting on top of the unskilled sector, um, but from a business point of view, it's difficult to go out in there yeah. and win new business. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, one thing that's talked about a lot in Teesside at the moment is like uh, that it being a hub for digital and things like that. Like it's yeah. one thing that, but I was really curious to find out is it reflected in the actual job market itself? Like, is there, are you guys coming across more digital or technology or software based roles that people are recruiting for, or is it just people trying to paint a picture of yeah we are this, but it's not really reflected in? Um, I'll be honest with you, that sort of sector we haven't really touched on. Okay. Um, We've had a couple of roles come through where the software side of things has come in, but we've the main client we've dealt with on that side has been actually a London-based client. Mm-hmm. Um, so in regards to the software IT side, we haven't. I, I can't say that I couldn't say yes or no yeah. on that one mm-hmm. um, because it wouldn't. It's not something we've touched on. Um, I know there is specialist IT agencies out there. And I've got a couple of friends that have IT sort of based companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> the thing yeah. is, though, that's you know, it's, you, you laugh, but it's a real. Yeah, yeah. When you put, ask people those kind of questions, they will yeah. just kind of say, oh, yeah, we can absolutely do that. Yeah. And da, 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 rather yeah. than actually say, you know what, that's not actually what we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. You know. I wouldn't yeah, even like I, to try. You engage, you engage <laughs> it by the job boards, and when you look at the job boards, you know, I know what they say, the, the digital uh, in Middlesbrough at the moment, what they're trying to do with Boho, and it's all very exciting stuff. But mm. you go on the job boards, if I put in a TS postcode, I don't see any vacancies for that sector. Yeah. If I go out and put a, a lead postcode in, an LS postcode, hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's perception I think as well. You know, yeah. saying we go to Manchester, similar sort of thing. You know, so you, we're not seeing it in terms of job boards and yeah. advertisements and companies mm. chasing candidates. Although, as Richard said, it's not an area we are experts in. But you watch what's coming on the job boards and what you know yeah. vacancies are coming up. But it's not something that you still see a lot of. Um, I know Teesside University have actively. Trying to encourage that they've got courses yeah. running now and um, degree courses for the digital sector. Yeah, I think a big factor for that that sort of industry, I think, is social media. Yeah, I think social media is a big is a big platform for that sort of recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, like I say, but I wouldn't even like to start to guess in regards to mm-hmm. what that market. How much kind of does social media play like a big part in the recruitment process for you guys, either from? people uh, advertising jobs or looking for jobs obviously there's like yeah. LinkedIn and things which obviously mm-hmm. are very popular or even stuff like more and more companies are starting to do like background checks through it and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah, you know, uh-huh. like, uh-huh. yeah it, it, it's more and more apparent on a day to day basis it can be sector by sector as well so again mm-hmm. if we're looking at the, the temporary market the um, sort of blue collar again a lot of still feel the traditional job boards methods yeah um, you go something into logistics now and most of our candidates on logistics will come through from social media so we have forums on Facebook for drivers to come and post comments and we put our vacancies on there. So Facebook certainly on them sectors is becoming more and more prevalent in terms of, of recruitment. Um, your more senior roles, LinkedIn is obviously a key place where yeah. where people go now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I, I can imagine like for certain roles, you know, if, uh, you know, like you say, like semi-skilled blue collar workers mm-hmm. or whatever, or drivers, etc. Yeah. then it, it's... I imagine easier to find those type of people rather than like if you're after like a very senior engineer that you might actually have to go looking for those type of people. Does that mean? Yeah, I mean drivers. I would, I would take drivers out there now. You know, driving is a, is a skilled role. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not skills. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, driving. You know, we know there's a there's a shortage. We know we've got a very aging population of of drivers. Yeah. New regulations coming in like the CPC. They have to sit now. So you know, the government is saying with something like you know, thirty thousand drivers short in the UK. We're not feeling it quite that hard, but there is yeah. a definite shortage within terms of driving the driving sector um, that's crazy i think that you know obviously jobs is one of the things that you know elections around the corner it's going to start coming out that people want to increase jobs and stuff like that but when you've got sectors like you say where you're thirty thousand jobs short yeah. uh-huh. like i don't know how that plays out in teesside and things like that but it's quite crazy that yeah. these do you know that there isn't like just make it available for people to train up as drivers or yeah. to HGV or whatever they need to do. I know obviously there is a process and they have to get a specific license, etc. but, you know, it just seems a bit crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, there's barriers to it as well, you know yeah. what I mean? Age for insurance purposes, yeah. that kind of thing. But, you know, they, they say that the government doesn't seem to particularly quick in, in reacting to, to these, these skill shortages and, you know, investing in that. Mm. Um, I think driving has always had a bit of a, a reputation of being very long hours, dirty mm. cabs. Yeah. Sleep in the back of your cab overnight, yeah. yeah. But it's all changed these days, you know, with new regulations and, you know, most of the cabs on the road now are less than three or four years old. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's, you know, and the pay rates in driving now are very attractive. So yeah. it's a sector we should be out promoting to colleges, to young mm-hmm. people, yeah. to get them involved, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, most young people sort of 
yeah, they want, want to be the next YouTube, whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. But driving, if we actually went out and you know explained what it actually is now, yeah. perception of driving, you know, mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. it's changed dramatically. I've got a friend who uh, does it. He works for uh, Morrison's, and he loves it because mm-hmm. he just listens to like podcasts. Like he's got one place where he has to do like so many hours there and so yeah, many yeah. hours back to one place, and mm-hmm. he says that you just listen to two yeah, or three podcasts yeah. and then I'm done. He says it's great work. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that, uh, I wanted to talk to you about when you said that obviously you know you start to look on engineering and things like that is like the offshore side of it like play a big part in what you you do or the recruitment for that not so much it used uh, basically my background used to be working in the oil and gas sector um, and then back in 2015 it, it sort of died to death a little bit yeah. um, so that's when I, I joined major recruitment um, it's it's something that I've kept an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's slowly starting to come back round. Um, the, the there's still the candidates there, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of them have, have retrained, gone and done something else, moved into another other roles. Like I was saying earlier, about transferable skills. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that we do as a company. Um, we do have our energy our energy team mm-hmm. that do uh, look after quite a lot of oil and gas contracts and the offshore side of things. Um, I just know from from friends that work in the industry that yeah. it's it's it is picking up. It's, yeah. it's 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 another one like Pete said before in regards to they have existing relationships with agencies. Yeah, um, they're long standing. They mm-hmm. they they are open to change. They are mm-hmm. open to um, potentially new new suppliers. Um, it's a case of you, you've got to be in front of them. You've got to be out there. You've got to be in the marketplace. You've got to be knowing what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And on a day-to-day basis, I know Pete and myself in regards to what we do on a day-to-day basis, getting out in front of those clients is is, is, is something that's probably in the in the offing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regards to how the market's going at the moment, I think it's just slowly building back up. It's not uh, where it was, but it's not a yeah. million miles yeah. away. A lot of your big players as well now um, have their own internal recruitment yeah. division. Yeah. So they'll have a team of recruiters based within their, their business recruiting yeah. for them directly. Yeah. So like some Fabricom and Whirlies or yeah, yeah. and they have their own their own internal recruitment team. Um, yeah. so that sort of you know takes where they need, although they still have relationships with agencies. Yeah. Eighty percent of their recruitment will be done by, by that mm. team. Um, so that's something that's changed a lot over the last sort of ten years, mm-hmm. I suppose, in that particular sector. Yeah. It was just one of the thoughts that everywhere you know, obviously we were previously talking about people who had you know, wages that were up here and then yeah, having to move for yeah. other jobs and stuff. Like, obviously, historically, in some roles, the that's a prime high. example. Yeah, that's yeah. a prime example, especially in regards to if they've been offshore. A lot of these guys probably work as limited companies. Mm-hmm. They've probably, um, or they've, they've worked through like a payroll scheme, an umbrella company, which obviously is now being outlawed by the government. Yeah. Um, so, when they are coming back onshore, those opportunities to work as limited company contractors or to work as an under payroll companies and things like mm-hmm. that is very limited. Yeah. Um, especially as clients are trying to get their core workforce. So what they want is they want somebody in a permanent contract. Yeah. They don't want them as a limited company contract. They don't want them as that they want they want their core staff. Mm. So they're taking them on temporary perm contracts to basically trial them. Yeah. See how they get on and then take them on a permanent contract. And it, going back to what we were saying regards to educating the clients were also educating the candidates in regards to how they can be paid, how they're going to what what the government's doing in regards to contracts and, and payroll companies and things like that. So that has that's had to be addressed because the, that tax loophole isn't there anymore. Yeah. Um. So that managing expectations is probably the biggest thing we have to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, from a client and a candidate perspective. Um. So yeah, that that gap in regards to pay is is apparent from the offshore yeah uh one of the things that you you mentioned there was obviously like changes in legislation that happened with industries and things like that is it a big part of the role like you say a big part of what you do is building relationships and going out and seeing clients mm-hmm. is it keeping them abreast of things like yeah. you know you can't do this anymore you might need to start yeah. looking at this that's where the consultancy like, side comes into us you know yeah. we got then you know obviously give advice on i say one of the things on the radar at the moment is the change to self-employment, the IR35, mm-hmm. where contractors, you know, previously were self-employed, will now have to reassess that. Yeah. Um, and the owners are shipped from the actual worker to the end user, which is the client. Mm-hmm. So the client will t- determine if that role actually does sit under the IR35. Yeah. And so, yeah, things like legislation changes. Um, we work very closely with clients in the food sector, on the GLA, 
um, the modern slavery act yeah um, you know stronger together is a big part of what we do yeah so we go out and we advise and interact with not just the clients but also the governing bodies mm-hmm. so the, the gang master's license authority is a big thing that you know yeah. we work on the full sector so yeah it's anything legislative that we have to go out and advise advise our clients on yeah um, when i started in the sector sort of 20 22 years ago um it wasn't particularly highly legislated no. but it, it is now in terms of you know even down to like things like minimum wage mm-hmm. you know, the legislation yeah, yeah. around minimum wage making sure you know we pay people the correct rate so yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of that sort of legislation that we go out and we update our our clients on and certainly your smaller companies that might not have a hr department yeah it's really useful then that we can be like sort of again a mm-hmm. yeah, sort yeah. Of partner on that kind of stuff as well so for those type of companies that you go out which are, you know the majority of the people who listen to this podcast are we're, we're really lucky we have like a very wide berth from people who are one of my bands all the way up to larger organizations but the majority same is around t-sider classes you know SMEs or smes yeah. mm-hmm. like what the kind of conversations that you're having with clients when you first go out like i know obviously it's industry dependent and things like that if they've never used a recruitment company and things before what are the kind of things that they should be considering or you want them to consider when they start working with you guys i think the, the key thing for especially from my, from our point of view is, is is we want to partner with companies we're not what we don't see it is we're just a recruitment company we want to be an integral part of their business okay whether it be a one-man band or whether it be a global organization what we want to be doing is we want to be the people that they think. Hang on, I need to hire. I want to go to. I want to go to major recruitment because they do. They, they do was what we what they say they're going to do. Um, but we one of the key things we have done is is, is 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 develop relationships with clients and where we have been an integral part of their business um, to a point where we're managing their workforce. We're giving them the HR outsource for in function. So we're giving them more than what than just a. A recruitment service we're actually partnering with them mm-hmm. um, and that's a key word for us yeah um, it's got to be it's a partnership um, so that's one of the main things that we are looking for and looking to do um, and it, it's that honest honesty yeah is, is, is key yeah. uh, we had a, a, a meeting yesterday and we, we you don't get everything perfect every time yeah. but it's holding your hands up and saying look we got something wrong mm-hmm. we put it right this is what we've done this is how we're going to move forward everything's perfect mm-hmm. Everything's fine, but it's that partnership. Yeah, that's what the, that's what we look for. The relationships work better, and the, the the outcomes are more more successful when we work in that way. Some some companies still like to keep the agency at arm's length, mm-hmm. yeah. just to see it as a you know somewhere to, to hire hire people from. But where it works better, is say when we become a partnership, when we go out to a client and we understand their business, and we get to see their business. So it could be, um, I was at a client there, they was on Wilton, mm. yeah, the recycle plastics, yeah. To get a tour, you know, ask the guy if I could have a tour of his factory and actually go on and see the environment I'm going to be putting people into. Yeah. That sort of thing makes mm-hmm. our life a whole lot easier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but as we said, it's, it's that partnership. Mm-hmm. And without exception, we have high success rates when we become, I say, an integral part yeah. of that, that company's business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have it at the moment. I mean, we've got a, a client that we deal with and they get upset if they don't see us on site every week. Yeah. So like, it's like a case of, well, you haven't been here this week. So did you, did, did you need us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just like, to oh, see you. yeah, I just want to say hello, but yeah. but that's that, that's what they expect. Yeah. So that we're fully inducted onto the site. We can come and go as we please, mm-hmm. um, to an extent, obviously. Um, but that's where we get to. Yeah. So the, so they know that we are working in the background, so that we can go we can go in, we can go into the factory, we can speak to our candidates while they're working, as long as we don't distract them too much, and fully understand. So if there's any problems with their to address it straight away mm-hmm. um, and that's what they want but we don't have to be when we go there we don't have to say hello to the operations manager we don't have to have a meeting it's a case of we're there right we've been round everything's okay yeah. away yeah. we go um, and that's what we like to be able to give to our clients yeah, yeah. Um, all right every client's different mm-hmm. but a service along those lines is key to us um, and, and number one thing for us is service mm. Uh, it's, like it's very similar in, in our industry I imagine that there's uh, like parallels there the more that you work with a company like the better we do yeah. for a company I imagine mm-hmm. like it's the same for you guys mm-hmm. the more that you work together and the more you understand the business and yeah, yeah. the culture of what they're looking for then yeah. the more likely that you have to yeah. like see people who are going that, to be that's successful that's why you know we want to align with companies that have similar values to ourselves yeah you know that, that's, that's really important to us um, yeah. as I say the relationships we have work a whole lot better when we, we have that sort of partnership approach yeah. as opposed to just a, a service that we can call upon as and when we need it. Yeah. So when it comes to, obviously, 
the bit where you stand to field clients and things like that for um, one of the businesses that you partner with. What kind of processes do you guys go through and able to get the right clients before you put them in front of? So one of the one of the one of the key things we look at is we speak to our candidates. So we listen to the workforce because these these guys are our eyes and ears. Okay, so they they're on the they're on the production floors, they're in the factory floors, they're in the clients. So if the candidate comes to us to register for work, we'll ask them where they've worked. What did so they they might have worked three or four jobs over a certain period of time. So we'll ask them, well, what did you enjoy? What what was that culture like? And the ones we're not saying we don't we we, we go off what the this is. Obviously, we have our business development team that go out after other clients, but we listen to what the candidates are saying. Mm-hmm. And if the candidate's saying, I it was a good place to work. I enjoyed working there. They give me this benefit. They give me that benefit. Why wouldn't we want to work with those clients mm-hmm. that we know we're going to be putting good quality candidates into a good quality company? Yeah. Um, so it makes our job a lot easier that we know that that candidate is going to go in there and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, not every candidate is going to like that same environment, yeah. but that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. So we get the candidates coming in, they give us a good feel for the market, who's getting busy, who's not getting busy, who can we really add value to? Um, and that's the key one, adding value yeah. um, to the clients. It's, it's a case of, it's not a case of just trying to work with everybody because mm-hmm. if you try to work with everybody you'll, you, you, you'll end up falling flat on your face Yeah, of course. Um, and we're not saying that there's companies out there that we just turn around and say no to but we have actually declined to work with some companies before yeah. Be, simply mm-hmm. because culture was wrong candidates weren't staying for very, a variety of reasons um, they, there's other factors that come into play um, yeah. like um, the actual um, stability of the business because mm-hmm. obviously we work with them we do provide a service we do actually like to get paid for what we do yep. <laughs> so, uh, what a revolutionary yeah, idea. yeah exactly yeah so uh, all those factors come into it yeah but it's okay but the key thing for us is obviously the candidates if the mm-hmm. candidates don't want to go and work at somewhere then we're not going to we'll yeah. never find think, anybody yeah i think that's what uh, i think stands out is, is yeah. our candidate care we, we, we look after our candidates mm-hmm. regardless of level they're going into work or or whatever one of the questions we always ask them is, you know, is there some, any places you don't want to go to work? Yeah. Yeah, because there's no point in me talking to them about particular contracts if they've already been there, yeah. been there before. But I think that's something we, we, we excel on in Major, certainly, I know, on Teesside. Um, I say that candidate care. Mm-hmm. Being upfront and honest with you, your candidates. Yeah. If it's a low-skilled, uh, low-paid job in a dirty, smelly factory, yeah, yeah be honest with them, you know, don't paint a different picture because the yeah, ladies yeah. will turn up and, and leave. So honesty and, you know, mm-hmm. having that interaction with your candidates um, again, we're in a, an age now where it's all done by text, email, so yeah. the younger population, yeah. But we make sure our candidates get a phone call and get a conversation mm-hmm. from us, you know, to keep part of how we manage the candidates. Yeah. We go down to site, as Richard said, when they're on the breaks, we're going to do a surgery in the in the canteen. Mm-hmm. Just any issues they've got, they might want to hand a P45 and they might just <laughs> want yeah, to yeah. some holders, you know, anything at all. Yeah, yeah. But we, we've got to be visible, we've got to be there for them. Yeah. We're open at 24 7. So outside office hours, a candidate can get a hold of us. Any time, day or night, mm-hmm. you know, we try to say it's for emergencies that like you can't get to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we have that service and they know we're there. Yeah. And quite often we'll get them, the phone's at nine o'clock at night, we'll pay query. Yeah, yeah. And unlike some of our competitors, the phone won't be switched off. Yeah. Yeah, we won't fob them off that they can't have that conversation because it's emergency yeah. zone, you know, we, we deal with that. And I think that's something where certainly we've been major and something that we're very passionate about on side is mm. treating these people properly. Yeah. Yeah, and listening to them. Yep, you know, rather than just seeing them as a commodity, mm. yep, you know, a product, if you like, yeah, that's the, you know, because the people are mm. a different type of product. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a reliable product. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are they are different, and you know, I think it's something that we've we work very hard on that mm-hmm. all our candidates get tre- with respect, and I say we listen to them. Yeah, yeah. It's key to us that we do that. They're our ears and eyes out there. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who give us leads, to tell us which yeah. company might be using the NC. They might come and tell mm-hmm. us one of our competitors is struggling somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, these candidates are, are yeah, such yeah. a great source of information for us. I think it goes back like heavily to what you've mentioned before around about culture. Obviously, it's something that's um, in recruitment and hiring and is talked about more and more like these days. Yeah. Um, but I think it kind of like morphs into something else, especially like in our industry. Like we always joke that we're not a proper agency because we don't have a ping pong table, you know, and like you know, like <laughs> yeah. that stuff that you yeah. see, you know, so that, that no one ever uses and it just yeah, kind of yeah. sits there. Um, but 
I think it's definitely a conversation of like the actual culture of business. Some may be really yeah. target driven. Yeah. Some may be really laid back. Like, and some people might not like that laid back, yeah. you know, environment yeah. and things like that. Is it something that you've like really talk with? If you've got somebody who's very like introverted, go look like this might not be the you right have, one for to, them. You have to prepare the candidate in the best way for the environment they're going into. Yeah. So if you, if you've got like say for argument's sake at the moment got a client that I work with that the environment's very boisterous it's very um, it's it, 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 it's very jobs for the boys it's mm-hmm. kind of the, the lads on the floor mm-hmm. if you've got a, a very introvert individual you, you've got to make sure that they're aware of the environment they're going mm-hmm. into because yeah. if you don't they're just they're not going to stay yeah. they're not mm-hmm. going to understand it and the other side of it as well is they may not want to go into that environment mm-hmm. so you, if you if you're eliminating that before you actually before that candidate actually starts yeah, it 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 it, mm. it makes everything easier mm. all around. You you you're putting a candidate into a job that they want to be in. Yep. Okay, you're not just putting square pegs in round holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a case of th- that that's key. You have got to understand what these candidates want and what they're about. Yeah. Um, if you don't speak to a candidate, don't listen to what they're telling you. You're gonna put them on a three shift pattern, but they've got childcare issues and they've got things. That, mm. You just set yourself up to fail. Yeah, basically. Um, that goes right back to the us understanding the, yeah, yeah. the client. Yeah, and the client allows us to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you know, go and see the environment we're going to be working on. Yeah. Shift patterns, canteen facilities are important to some people. Smoking yeah. shelter, yeah. bus yeah. routes. You know, yeah. unfortunately, yeah, yeah. most industrial estates in Teesside now don't have buses running before six in the morning. So yeah. if you've got a six till two shift, you yeah, we, transport. But mm-hmm. yeah, how we you know it works together. Understand the client understand the candidate mm-hmm. and then hopefully we can get that fixed yeah exactly yeah. right we don't get it right every time because you know say people are people but it gives us a much better chance yeah. of success and that's what we always work on giving ourselves the best chance of of yeah. succeeding yeah, mm-hmm. yeah placing the candidate in any business any any sector that's yeah, what we yeah. try to do and the steps we can put in place to eliminate the risk if you like yeah around that i think it's something that's really important i kind of highlight that not only are you guys looking to like put people and situate people in jobs is that you want them to stay there because yeah. obviously if there's a churn right there then yeah. those partners are going to like say oh well those guys you know yeah, like, so it, the it, more you can put yeah. good people into good roles then the better it the retention you know. rate the, the retention rate is something we really look at um it's different it's, it's a bit difficult if you're working with ad hoc clients who mm-hmm. recruit on a day-to-day basis or pete's quite highly involved in at the moment whereas a lot of contracts i work in where it's a, it is temporary to permanent contracts so they are looking for people to stay to get into a permanent contract, so you have to make sure that you're looking, you are getting it right, and keeping those retention rates. Also, managing mm-hmm. sickness, managing absence reports, giving giving the company the, the client that full HR function, mm-hmm. so that they know that when they when it gets to that period that they want to take them onto a permanent contract, you are one hundred percent confident that that candidate is going to stay. Because yeah. if they don't, it just comes back on you, mm-hmm. and, it, and you just start the process all over again. The client mm-hmm. goes over the other way go, and it just doesn't. It doesn't build that partnership. It doesn't build that relationship. Yeah. Um. So those retention rates are key. Mm-hmm. Um. And making like you say, and if it takes a little bit longer to find the right person, it'll take a little bit longer mm-hmm. to find the right person. Yeah. But that's the other thing is we will go back to the client and say, look, I'm not just going to put anybody into this contract. I'm not just going to give you anybody just because you want somebody for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd rather hold my hands up and say, look, I'll give me a bit more time to to really dig deep and make sure I'm putting the right person forward. You'll have somebody for the next day. Because yeah. I've got to take that time to go and speak to that candidate, really understand what they're after, really understand, to put your business across to them and make sure that process is all being filled. So when that person comes to you to start 8 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock on the morning, that person is there to stay. Yeah. That yeah. person is there to work mm. and do what you want them to do. Yeah. Like Pete says, it's not perfect every time. No, no. Okay. People change their minds, as, mm-hmm. as we know. Mm-hmm. But it's having that honesty and having that relationship with the client to turn around and, and having the bravery to turn around to your client and mm-hmm. say, look, I'm sorry, I haven't got the right person for you for tomorrow, yeah. but we will have somebody in place, the right person in situ to start. And that extra day you waited, that person would be with you for 13 weeks, 26 weeks, a year, yeah. so be it. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. better get it right than, yeah, 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 rather than just... just have... You just keep, all you keep doing is keep changing candidates over yeah. because you aren't putting the full time and effort into that mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to... It's having that relationship with your client to have that honest conversation with them. Yeah. Because a lot of people, a lot of things I've noticed in recruitment is a vacancy comes in from a client, and basically the consultant just goes, oh, "I've got to fill it. Yeah. Got to fill it. I've got to fill it. Got to fill it. Got to fill it." It's like, yes, that you you, you do. You have got to fill it. Yeah. 
but you've got to fill it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Not just a case of just throw, throw mud at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. So that that's one of the key things that we educate our consultants with is making sure that they don't panic recruit. Mm-hmm. They don't just go and go after Tom Dick, any Tom Dick or Harry, go on the job board, the first CV that comes, oh, right, you've got to put him forward. Yeah. That's where they, that's where understanding that relationship with the client and educating the client yeah. in regards to what we do. Yeah. Um, and that's where it comes back to. Being an independent company, you know, we, we've been around for 27 years, as Richard mentioned there, recession in the early 2000s. We had the financial crash in 2008, when a lot of companies went out of business. You know, turnover dropped from something like 30, million, 30 billion a year, sorry, down about 17 billion. Yeah, yeah. So it lost nearly a third of its, its value yeah. almost overnight mm-hmm. from 2008 to 2009. The fact that an independent business was still around after 27 years, and still growing. Mm-hmm. Being independent, you know, it gives us that chance to be more flexible, I suppose, in terms of services we can offer our clients, mm-hmm. how we trade, you know what I mean? We're all given plenty mm-hmm. of autonomy if we like to make make our decisions in our businesses. Yeah. So I very much encourage my area of knowledge, Middlesbrough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm encouraged that that's my business, I run it as my business. Yes, we've got the major group overarching yeah. all that, but independently, and you know, Richard is an expert in you and Aircliff, so why? And I've worked for national agencies, so you've got some guy in London directed me on what the Teesside market should be and what yeah. clients I should be doing and what margins I should be charging. Yeah. He's probably never been Teesside in his life. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I like about Major and part of the reason it attracted me to Major was that you have this autonomy and you're just encouraged to, to grow your markets, whether it be, as I say, Middlesbrough, Newton, Aircliff, yeah. or, you know, the guys in, in Leeds, in Wakefield, Doncaster, they're all given that autonomy. We can pretty much manufacture bespoke solutions to our clients as well. So we haven't got an off-the-shelf, this is what we do. Yeah. You've got to follow our sort of process. We go yeah. to the clients and the consultancy bit comes in. Yeah. So being part of an independent company allows us to do that. And the owner, Phil, is very much a bit of an entrepreneur as well. So he likes to encourage people to make their own decisions, take risks where we where we think it's right to do yeah. so. Mm-hmm. But I say that independent, it gives us and allows us to do that. I, th- I think it's very important... Um, like obviously from like an outsider looking into the industry that it's becoming more and more fluid you know from you know like even talking about cvs and things like that might not necessarily be the most accurate way that might change you know cvs might morph into something else and if you haven't got that ability to pivot and adjust things as you go on then all of a sudden you're going back to trying to ram um, square pegs mm-hmm. in the round holes yeah. so I can definitely say like especially in your industry how it would be like a very valuable commodity mm-hmm. um, so one of the things that we'd like to ask everybody when we come on the podcast is mm-hmm. three questions Okay. Um, so I'll go through the three, three questions and I'll ask you them both one at, like one at a time these are both like professional and personal for the okay. questions um, so the questions are as follows the first one is what does success look like to you now, the reason that we ask this is that we've had so many different answers. It's been brilliant. <laughs> we've literally had people say, when I'm a millionaire, when I've got so much in the bank, when I'm driving this car. We've had people say, um, when I can work 20 hours and spend more time with my kids, or when my business employs this many people, or whatever it is. like, Because we want people to see that there's no fit answer for yeah. it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. You don't have to try and make yourself something that will make you unhappy, so you're yeah. successful. And then the second one is, have you ever had um, a setback or a failure or what at the time was perceived as a failure that actually put you on the path to success? A lot of people cite things like, I got made redundant, so I had to start up my own business, for example, or we had somebody before who went through a really, really messy divorce, but it allowed him to, like, because he was passionate of starting a business. Mm-hmm. We had somebody else who had, like, several strokes that actually led him a uh, like changes life and things like that. So there's like, mm-hmm. you know. There's, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the third and final one is, have you got anything that you are like really into or obsessed by at the moment? So we've had uh, TV shows, gadgets. <laughs> uh, we had somebody who's come on who was really getting into metal detecting. Uh, ben Houchin, uh, the mayor, was really into uh, like Alexas and setting up an autonomous thing in his home and stuff like that. So we've had so many different questions for that. Like, so it's just good to j- just to kind of see what there is. So we'll start with the first one of what does success look like to you? On a personal level, to me, success means respect. Looks respect. If I feel as though I've got the respect of my colleagues, um, my management, personally, my friends, if people feel they can come to me in confidence or they can gain some extra knowledge to myself, it's that it's that respect. You know, we can put monetary things on, we can put, you know, 
values of cars, things like that. But to me, you know, being successful, it's about having respect of personal business people you work with. Yeah, yeah. That's how I view it. Yeah, mm, that's fantastic. Um, there's, there's two aspects for me. Um, personally, it's just being able to put food on the table mm-hmm. um, and, and providing for a family. Professionally, it is pretty similar to Pete, is having that recognition and in the marketplace, they've been a go-to person and the, 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 the clients trust you with what with their business and their recruitment. Um, that that's a big factor for me mm. is that is that client satisfaction and that mm. that's a big success to me I, that's a big factor that i drive in, in newton aircliff is we have to make sure that we are developed we are delivering to what the clients are expecting mm. um and if we do that then we're successful mm. um from my point of view fantastic so then the second one is have you ever had um, a setback or a failure i hate to use the word failure because <laughs> it sounds terrible but at the time it kind of might same as it but actually when you look back it was yeah, yeah. a good thing that kind of happened to you have you got any instances of that um i have on a personal issue the personal side and not going into too much detail but um being basically being a rock bottom mm-hmm. um probably about 11 years ago yeah. 10 11 years ago and when i say rock bottom i mean not being able to buy christmas presents not being able to do anything that just completely rock bottom yeah. um and just fought just fought for, for, for to, to, to develop and deliver and, and get to where like I am at the moment mm. and, and to progress further but it's a very driving factor mm. not to get back to that point yeah and not to be at that point again I uh, think it's uh, we've had like um, people who've come on who've had uh, their organization dealt with like um, addicts and things like that and they obviously had like similar stories but they were saying that the people who come out the other end when they've hit the rock bottom is they've got something that you Unless you've tasted it, you'll mm-hmm. never know what it's like. It's that burning inside. It's yeah, that, yeah. It's, that, it's that desire that you have inside, and it, 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 it's one of those things where, it, it, our director goes mad at me because I go on holiday and I'm still reading emails and still doing things like that because I, I have that desire inside of me to make mm-hmm. sure things are doing are done right and, and carry on going in the right way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be. I, I never ever want to be in that position again. So I'll do whatever it takes to not be in that position. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be from, to my own detriment. Yeah. to an extent but it's a big factor it's, it's just that burning desire to be to do things well and do things right no no phenomenal answer thanks um i think well, not necessarily an event but um i used to work in retail before i worked in in recruitment and with me I, it's about sometimes proving people wrong yeah. and uh, i had a manager in retail and i gained a small promotion to go and work in, in another store of his region and basically, Morris told me I, I would not amount to anything, and that the reason why I got this promotion is because he wanted me out of his store. <laughs> and he gave me some reasons, and some, you know, made me reassess what I was doing. Um, I was very much social focused as opposed to to work, mm-hmm. but it sort of gave me that that kick, I suppose, to sort of you know say, right, I was 26, 25, 26 at the time. Yeah. You know, it's about time I did start looking mm-hmm. at what I'm doing and looking at trying to make a success yeah. of, of my career. So it was yeah, it was more to me proving along the way, and it's happened a few times in different mm. roles. Yeah, yeah. Proving people wrong, and someone telling me that I'm not capable of doing something. Yeah, yeah. And, it uh, that, it that does like me on. Yeah, absolutely. we do. We do see it like obviously like in a lot of business people and entrepreneurs that we have on the, on the podcast. Mm. There, without trying to come up with a better term, like not a chip on your shoulder, but you you know what I mean, like a like a driving factor like that is a very popular yeah, thing. Absolutely. And for some people, it's like they're talking about, oh, a teacher said something to me back like back <laughs> yeah. then. You know what I mean? Yeah, something yeah, that was like, yeah. I've got, tw- got that teacher in the back of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 20 years ago, and it's yeah. still like contributing to drive. But when you look at it, it's kind of like they gave you a tool that now is beneficial to you. Yeah. Like if they hadn't, and like mm. obviously at the time, you know, in, in Rock Bottom, et cetera, like, you know, it's the worst thing. The, the thought would never enter your mind. Actually, this is one of the greatest things that'll happen to me because it'll give me that, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like desire now. So it's mainly like say for a lot of people out there, if they are going through those things, just know that everybody encounters those things. It's like keeping moving forward and building from it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's just having that outlook and, and the the work ethic. Mm-hmm. If if you you can achieve anything. Yeah. If if you're wanting to put the effort into it, mm-hmm. and I know that people say it all the time, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you work at it and work at it and work at it, yeah, there's been setbacks along the way, but if you work at it, work at it, work at it. Eventually, it'll come to fruition. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then the third and final one is: Have you got anything that you are really into, or 
obsessed is a really strong word yeah. as well um, but I'd just say really like really into so mm. I think from a personal point of view is is Middlesbrough Football Club sat in the relegation zone of, of, the, of the championship at the moment is really yeah. really obsessing me yeah, yeah. <laughs> keeping you awake at night yeah absolutely yeah, no, I'm, I'm a mad passionate Middlesbrough supporter yeah. I'm off down to London at the weekend to, to watch them yeah, but, yeah, but that you know it's amazing you know, and, and Middlesbrough is, is a town that you know is built around the football club to me mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's such a big part of so many people's lives yeah. Um, so yeah being passionate and you know I'm really passionate about people from Middlesbrough following Middlesbrough I have this mm. big hate of you know, people walking around Middlesbrough Town Centre in Manchester United and Man City top. So the two sons have been dragged along. They're going to be their season ticket holders. But no, yeah, yeah. that's that's sort of from a, a personal way. The, the, the main the main folks at the moment about work. I mentioned that I, I am passionate about giving the best experience to our candidates. Yeah, because they're our product, mm-hmm. and without them, you know, I mean, we can go in all kinds of business. Mm-hmm. Have lots of companies wanting to come and interact with major equipment, but unless we've got the candidates unless we treat yeah, them yeah. and look after them and it, it's so easy just and I've seen it to treat them as a as just a commodity they're not that they're mm-hmm. people and we've got to do our best these guys rely on us week to week a lot mm-hmm. of these temporary workers live week to week mm-hmm. so they rely on us to put some money in that, in that yeah. bank account on a Friday so they mm-hmm. can you know do what they need to do pay their bills so yeah it's a big thing certainly in Teesside was about you know the candidates and how we, how yeah, we manage yeah. them yeah absolutely yeah I think I think just hitting it, peach at the nail on the head from a from a professional point of view. One thing we are probably obsessed with at the moment is 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 major recruitment and, and in the area and in in the northeast. Mm-hmm. We're all very passionate about mm-hmm. it, uh, driven by our by our director Joe. We 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 are passionate about what we do, and mm-hmm. um, almost to an obsession to an extent. Yep. Um, don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I think, um, I think so obsession's got a bit of a bad rap. Yeah, it, I think it, it's it a does. But yeah, but yes, it's it. it, it we we all share the same goals and we all want to push in the right direction. We're all sharing. We all want to do what's right and do it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, on a personal note, I'm just looking forward to getting to the beach in Tenerife next week. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just said all that that I'm disappearing another well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit of sunshine will do you good. Yeah, so. but no, uh, definitely getting the, the major recruitment and, yeah. and pushing it and pushing and yeah. getting us in that marketplace and. So, if uh, people want to speak to you about their recruitment needs, whether it be in you know New Cliff or uh, Middlesbrough, where the best place for them to get in contact with you? So, from a Middlesbrough point of view, it's on 01642 mm-hmm. Um And New Cliff, we're in 01325468780. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, LinkedIn, social media. We're, we're, Major we're at, website's got yeah. all, the, all the offices list on there. Mm-hmm. The sectors we work in. Yeah, yep. it's got testimonials from from clients and things like that as well. So yeah, um, yep. it's well publicised. Brilliant. We'll make sure all that's like linked in the description below for you guys. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. It's well, been thank great. You. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, this has been the Teesside Business Podcast. The Teesside Business Podcast is promoted and produced by Person to Person Marketing. Thanks very much for listening.